In today's show, we're looking back at the LA Clippers season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today, we are looking back at the season for the LA Clippers. But of course, their season isn't over just yet, but... From a fantasy perspective, we're really just focusing on the regular season, but at the time of me recording this, they are 3-2 down in the Western Conference Finals. It's going to be the same story as I do the last remaining four teams, the Suns, the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Atlanta Hawks are coming over the next four shows, and you know, with the way that the schedule is, just have to run them a little bit early before their playoffs actually end. But the Clippers, they uh, saved themselves from, the, from elimination with another, uh, another another elimination game victory yesterday, and they are 3-2 down now in the Western Conference Finals, heading home for Game 6 to see if they can uh, extend that out to Game 7. But yeah, again, we're mainly focusing on the regular season. For a fantasy perspective, there'll be some of the playoff stuff mixed in here, though, as well. So why don't we, uh, before, actually, before we talk to you about that, this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Locked On rooms. All right, let's have a look at what we've got going on here. The Clippers, they finished the regular season 47-25. and 25. They lost their last couple of games to put themselves into what they thought was a favorable matchup. Uh, avoiding the Lakers side of the bracket. In the end, it didn't matter because the Lakers lost. The Clippers got themselves into two uh, series where they were down 2-0. They won both of those. And now are they looking to to go back and uh, do the same thing against the Suns after going two down there? Well, we will very much see. But they were, they were quite good this year. Of course, there's always going to be injury concerns with the Clippers. Fourth in offense, eighth in defense. 28th pace, really slow there. And all they have in the upcoming draft is pick number 25. In terms of free agency for this team, um, Reggie Jackson, Nick Batum, Patrick Patterson, and Demarcus Cousins are all unrestricted free agents. Now, Reggie Jackson has really established himself at a high level in the playoffs. During the regular season, as you'll see when we talk about him later on, he really didn't do a huge amount. They couldn't figure out how to use him or what those minutes were. Um, And the same goes for Nick Batum, who's been a massive piece. I would imagine both Jackson and Batum, the Clippers, will be bringing back next season. They're not going to be getting huge contracts elsewhere, but I think they'll be back. Patterson, he can go. While Cousins, I think, has been bad for majority of the season. In Game 5, he played well. Um, but he did play you know, pretty poorly in a lot of those other games. I wouldn't have said he's a high priority. Some interesting decisions to be made. Kawhi Leonard's player option, he will almost definitely decline that, but I would be stunned if he does not re-sign with the Clippers, but it is one to watch. Also, we don't know what the hell's going on with Kawhi's knee. He's got an ACL injury. He's listed as doubtful for game six. Is it a tear? Is it a, is it a grade one sprain? Look, I have no idea what's going on with his knee. By the time we get to the season preview stuff, are we just saying what Kawhi is missing the whole year? I have no idea. Serge Barker also has a player option. And given the state of his back, um, his $9.7 million player option, you'd almost be assured that he's picking that up. Terrence Mann and Yogi Ferrell, 
Uh, both non-guaranteed. Terence Manns will 100% be picked up. Yogi Ferrell's no chance. Uh, Manns non-guarantees for 1.8 million. Then he's got a 1.9 team option the year after. So and he's going to be a big rotation piece, I think, next season. Terence Manns. So he will be back. He will be back with that... Uh, with that contract uh, being guaranteed, uh, yeah, without any real doubt whatsoever. Guys, Spotify, Green Room. You might, may have known it as Locker Room, but this episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders, analysts right across the spectrum of your sport. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the NBA or whatever sports league you're interested in. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. And you can even find Locked On hosts right across the NBA, MLB, and NHL networks. I'll be joining the app soon. I won't be doing it regularly. Um, at the moment, in season, we'll do it more regularly, but I will meet you in there. So get, go download the free Green Room app now. Available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find tons of incredible rooms in there, and I can't wait to see you on that Green Room app. So download the Green Room app today. Green Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Okie dokie. Let's move on to talk about the fun guy. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, we don't actually know what the hell is going on with his knee. We know that he has an injury. We know that the Clippers are holding him out. We know that Shams reported it some sort of ACL injury, but nobody is telling us what it is. So we don't really know what that means as we as we move forward for Kawhi. This season, Leonard um, averaged 44 fantasy points in his 34 minutes. He did start playing back-to-backs. He still missed 20 games through other injuries. And he's always going to be at risk of missing games. But we saw nearly every player miss games this year. He finished 10th in category leagues for the year um, with an ADP of 13th. I think he's probably going to be a second round guy just with games missed as we move forward. 1.6 steals. That was his best category. He averaged 25 and 7 with two threes. Five assists. He shot 51 and 89. That's a 62 true shooting. They're obviously Really, really elite numbers for Kawhi Leonard. We know that Kawhi Leonard's elite. He just turned 30. So, yeah, how much longer does he keep up this level? Because he still seems to be getting better at times. Like defensively, he's nowhere near as good. Like He has dropped off defensively, and that's not a slide on him. He has dropped off. But in terms of offensively, he still seems to be able to be going out there and adding different parts to his game. Um, his ISO work is impressive. His shooting has improved. His playmaking has improved. Uh, look, he's been awesome. Yeah, taking big, big usage rates. Yeah, big offensive load. Big uh, true usage as well. The passing stuff really, really improving for him again. But the defense it just has dropped off somewhat. For example, this is a guy that you know, by yeah, EPM's defensive EPM, he'd been 99th percentile three years in a row and then 92nd, 97th, and then 87th, 95th, and 87th. Like just, just margin. And this is not the be-all and end-all of defense, but it just has been a marginal, marginal drop-off in his defense. Um, and some of his old defensive you know, accolades, I think, is going through a little bit on reputation. Still, the advanced stuff, we know that they're going to love him. The scoring stuff loves him. The fantasy stuff loves him. There's not really much to say. I would suggest that as a second-round guy, he's probably got two years left. Maybe it's only one. 
I, I worry a little bit that there might be somewhat of a drop-off. But the fact that he's able to improve his shooting yeah, every season, seemingly, improve his assist numbers yeah, and be that playmaker um, gives you a level of confidence. But the defensive numbers are dropping. And that is that is a level of concern that is overall fantasy game. Look, he might be instead of ninth or tenth overall next year on per game, he might be twelfth, and then he might be eighteenth, and then he might be thirtieth. You know, I think that's I think that trajectory is probably going to start in the next year or two that we see a little bit of a drop off from Kawhi Leonard in those situations. Let's talk about the Beatle, Paul George. Fifty four games, he played thirty four minutes. Remember last season, he played just twenty nine minutes a game for the Clippers. 40 Yahoo points per game. That was good for 28th. He's a much better category league player where he finished 19th. His ADP was 20th. In the end, that's probably a little bit disappointing. I thought he could have pushed into end of the first start of the second round. He averaged 23 points, three threes, six and a half boards with five assists. Him and Kawhi's rebounds and assists are basically identical. But the reason why he couldn't push to be that 12th guy is he steals. Like 1.1 steals for Paul George is not great. He was at 1.4 the year before that and 2.2 and 2 the years before that. That's the real difference here between those elite or that elite Oklahoma City year where he also averaged 28 points per game that season. But he was able to improve his efficiency this season but the and the assists up, but the steals couldn't come with it. So there is still hope to me that he can come in and be, like if he maintains 24, 6, and 5 with that improved shooting, yeah, the improved assist, and then gets the steals back up to 1.5, then he is a top 12 sort of guy. I would have no hesitation with Paul George in the um, in the second round. And his playoff form, as much criticism as he gets, he's been unbelievable. Yes, those missed free throws were horrendous. Yes, he has some occasional head-scratching turnovers and clunkers. But in general, he is carrying this team at the moment. And he is, again, I've talked about this before, about narratives that persist. And there was a narrative literally this season because Paul George had a poor streak in the fantasy playoffs. You can't trust this dude. You can't ever draft him. He always lets you down when it matters. That's because he had a bad playoffs in the bubble. And because in the, in the regular season fantasy playoffs, he had a bad time. Now, of course... He's not choking under pressure for the fantasy playoffs. When kids cover your ears, he does not give a single fuck about the fantasy playoffs. He just had a bad stretch. The year before, he was like the 20th ranked player in the fantasy playoffs. Then he was the 17th ranked player in the fantasy playoffs the year before. So narratives are absolute bullshit. And again, he struggled in the playoffs last year and he's dominating now. So don't be like, I know he cops his fair amount of shit and most of it he brings upon himself. I don't particularly like the bloke. I think he's annoying. I think he does things that, yeah, are real shiploke inducing. But I also know he's really bloody good and he's putting together really big numbers. And I have absolutely zero hesitation in drafting Paul George next season because I'm not worried that he's going to let me down when the pressure is on in the fantasy playoffs. That is the most bullshit thing you could hear. Now, George is not young. He's going to have some drop off too. He's 31. He's a year older than Kawhi. Um, so there is some concern. Maybe those steals don't come back. For, for Paul George. That, that's that's real. So, you know, would I take him at the top of the second round? That's going to always be that problem about, you know, when you've got Embiid's and Kawhi's and these injury-type players there, but who do you take that chance on? I thought George still defended at a high level. His advanced stats, again, were, were really good. Um, he hit his threes at a high level. He was able to self-create. He could create for others. He rebounded at a pretty high level, and he's rebounding at a higher level in the playoffs. I hate that they play him... As a shooting guy, when they should just play Paul George and Kawhi as the three and the four. But when they've got Batum out there and they've got Morris out there, I do understand what they're doing. I'd rather they get an actual shooting guard and play these guys at positions that better suit them. But, you know, I'm not the GM, uh, unfortunately. 
So, look, again, the advanced stuff loves him. Just positives, massive positives in LeBron and Raptor and offense and defense. Just two of the best players in the entire NBA and absolutely deserved his all-NBA nod. Again, some people didn't seem to think that was the case. They were wrong. He obviously deserved that, and his fantasy stats are excellent as per usual. Now, this is where the drop-off comes because, yeah, Kawhi was 10th. Paul George was 19th. The next highest-ranked player is Nick Batum at 126. Now, I would have never had any inkling that Nick Batum would play as much as he did or be as good as he was. Now, I'm a big Nick Batum fan. People know that. I always, even even last year after his terrible year in Charlotte, I said, look, his advanced numbers are actually pretty good. He just, the usage was way off and he was just not interested in being there and these counting stats didn't add up. So maybe I should have listened to myself and had a little bit more faith in Batum, but I didn't expect him to play as much as he did. He's 32. He played 27 minutes a night. He averaged 21 fantasy points. That was 190th, so not a points league guy, but got to 126th in category leagues, averaging eight and five. Two assists, a steal, 0.6 blocks. He shot 46 and 83. He shot 41% from three, which is obviously a really, really strong number. Um, but, you know, he was a guy that was added in, in lots of leagues and then held on to probably way too much in fantasy leagues. His value really is, is coming from just getting some steals. And there's not a lot else there in his game from a fantasy perspective. Look, 126 means that you do have use, but it's just nothing really particularly exciting about what Nick Batum did from a fantasy perspective. Although his his play during the year was very impressive, really, really important to this team. Defended at a super high level, played center at times. Low usage, which is what you you need when you're playing next to uh, Leonard and and George and Reggie Jackson, for example. Um, You did that well, defended unbelievably, worked off screens, set screens, did a whole bunch of stuff that was super important. And you look, you don't really come in to expect to see a a point plus 2.6 Raptor, which is 87th percentile for Batum, or 0.7 for LeBron, 79th percentile. These are elite type numbers. He was unbelievably good this year. Offensively, he's not it as a scorer. We know that. And he's got some okay fantasy numbers with you know the three-pointers at a decent level, decent assists, decent steals, decent blocks. But it's not really enough to think that he is going to be some sort of draftable option for us next season. Let's look at Serge Ibaka. It was a weird year for Ibaka. He played just 41 games. He's out again for the season with his back injury. All they just kept saying was sore back. The reporting is that he had a stress fracture in his back. So that's why. And then he came back. He didn't look good and hurt it again. 23 minutes a night for Serge. Um, yeah, obviously not good. 25 uh, fantasy points per game. 130th in both category leagues and points leagues. His ADP was 104. Uh, I wouldn't have drafted him around there. His best category was his blocks. He ended up averaging 11 and 7 with one block on 51 and 81. So elite big man percentages, but doesn't get steals, doesn't get assists, and he's really dropped his three-point shooting rate. But at the age of 32, with a back that's screwed, um, I would suggest that he is not going to be on our draftable players radar for next season. We've got guys like Cousins there. There's Zubats there, obviously. They can play Morris and Batum at center. I just don't think that those minutes for Serge are necessarily going to remain at that level. He's still a pretty solid defender. He's still got the pick and pop game, um, rebounded at a, at a high level. It defends at a decent level, but I, I'm worried that at this age with this injury that he's not going to be able to protect the rim or to defend at this level anymore. And there might be concerns with some of his shooting. He only hit 34% of his threes. 
um, which you'd hope for a little bit more, but his threat to space out there was pretty good. And look, the advanced stuff really did like him. LeBron, 1.4. That's big. Raptor, 1.4. Pretty big. Real Plus Minus had him at plus 0.3, which is not as big, obviously, because I, I can do numbers. But you're yeah, still really important. EPM had him as a positive, plus 1.1. He finished at 69% Giggity. at the rim, 47% on his mid-ranges. Rebounded well. Blocked shots well. He, he was good, but I just don't... I don't know how to you know, view him with this injury. I do think that there is a significant risk that maybe... Let's rephrase this. I think there's maybe like a 5% chance that it ruins his career. I, I, he's had a great career. He's 32. But 5% chance he doesn't play. I honestly think that's a possibility. Um, so I, I, I would be worried about that if I was, uh, if I was Serge Ibaka. Of course, you don't want your career ended. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. The NBA playoffs are going. The Stanley Cup finals are on. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC action. So before that next tip, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to that website or use your mobile device to sign up today using our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. Um, Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Do you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor, which when they release a limited, limited time flavor, you got to get on that. But they're not just delicious. They are healthy. High protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar bars. Built Bar is the protein bar that you need to be getting. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. I actually find it pretty uh, pretty interesting that you guys are measuring your protein and, and sugar in grams. What happened to ounces or pounds or what other, other weird measurements to use? Why are you using grams in this one? Checkmate, America. Anyway, Built Bar. Get these bars. They taste like a candy bar. It's like a delicious treat, but it's actually good for you. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at builtbar.com. Guys, the NBA playoff coverage, the playoffs are still going. So that was amazing to see the Clippers fight back. And our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. A 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. Another one, another grams. Uh, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Michelob Ultra, road to the finals, playoff coverage across the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's talk about my man, Ivitz Zubats. He was a great second round pick at the time that he was drafted. It was a horrendous trade from the Lakers to trade him for Mike Mascala. And while he has had some rocky moments, I, I think he's performing at a pretty high level here in the playoffs. I think that the, he should be the guy that they are committing to as their starting center, not worried about a Barker coming back, not worried about playing full-time small ball. Um, Zubats, again, he, always been a guy that puts up really good advanced numbers. 152nd in category leagues, 20 sec, uh, 170th in points leagues with 22 points. He only played 22 minutes. He shot the ball well. I think there is a chance that those 22 minutes a night... He's only 24, amazingly. He's still only 24. I think there's a chance that he can push to be a 25 to 26 minute a night center, which would absolutely make him a draftable guy. That is going to depend a lot on what they do with Cousins and what happens with Ibaka. But yeah, I would be looking to play 24 to 25 minutes of Zubats a night. 
He averaged 9 of 7 with a block on 65 and 79. So really, a category league value is immense because of that 69% Giggity. true shooting number from Zubats. He is a guy that can have some struggles with certain offensive matchups, but in the regular season, that's not really as important. Um, and I think that we can see those numbers push up a little bit higher next season for Ivica Zubats. A good screener, good post player, a good defender, a really strong finisher, good contester. Um, yeah, he's been playing with some really good spacing lineups, and that's really what he needs. Defensively, I think he defends well. Obviously, he's limited at times in who he can defend, but sometimes he really has these big moments where he can come out and show a lot more than what he shows at other times. And sometimes he looks like a complete liability. And other times he goes, well, shit, we should be playing this guy 35 minutes. And you know, his ability to defend and be a finisher and be a good free throw shooter, it's really, really important. And I do think that he has an outside chance of cracking the top 100 over the next two to three seasons. I think that's a possibility. Um, the advanced metrics like him. Yeah, big on Raptor, big on LeBron. Yeah, 80th percentile for Raptor, 70th on LeBron. On EPM, 91st percentile with big defensive numbers, big true shooting, great offensive rebounding numbers. And even as a center in the 84th percentile as an offensive rebounder, that's yeah, that's really, really strong. Blocking shots, that could be better, and it has been better in the past. So I do think there is room for that to somewhat improve, although he never feels like he's going to be like a two, two and a half blocks guy in 30 minutes. I don't think he ever gets there. But that overall efficiency with the good rebounding, good block numbers, uh, I do have some hope for Zubats to really step forward next season into a, into a larger role. Let's talk about Marcus Morris, who is on a permanent basis not a very good fantasy player. One of those guys, again, that needs absolutely everything to go his way to put up great fantasy value. And we saw that in a stretch in Detroit. We saw that in a stretch with the Knicks where he hit like, what, 44% of his threes. But when he has to play a complementary role, he just doesn't do enough in any other area outside of scoring to be that guy. And that happened this year. 156th in category leagues, 183rd in points leagues, averaging 21 points. He played just 26 minutes. He hit threes, and he's doing that at a more reliable rate this year. 13, or this, these days, 13 points, two and a half threes. He hit those threes at 47%. So absolutely expect that to drop. He hit his threes at 47.3%. He hit his twos at 47.2%. 61 true shooting. But in true Marcus Morris style, he did nothing. Four rebounds, one assist, 0.6 steals, and 0.3 blocks. He also got to the line. 1.6 attempts per game on 82%. So while you know, 13 points, two and a half threes looks great, the rest is shit. The free throw attempt rate is shit. Um, and the overall value for Morris is just not particularly good. Sure, he steps up a little bit when George or Leonard are out, but he really needs both out to be that number one option to go, well, I'm just going to take 28 usage and I'm going to score 25 points because I'm just not going to do anything else. Morris is also 32. He is older than Paul George. He is older than Kawhi Leonard. He is the same age as Serge Ibaka. He probably just hovers in this 26-minute-a-night role, I would imagine, moving forward, and he just does not have any fantasy upside whatsoever because he is nothing more than a usage scorer. Um, that's where his best numbers come, and he's just not in that position on this team to do that. He still can be... Look, honestly, the shooting, unbelievable. It won't continue, but unbelievable. Really, really impressive stuff. Defensively, I think he's somewhat overrated on the defensive end, but still... Yeah, those metrics there, his role and position versatility, pretty strong. He never takes, he doesn't usually take the best offensive player, but he can be a good, a good player. He works a little bit too much in isolation for me. And the advanced stuff, I, I have to look at these because I'm gonna have to swear, I fucking hated him. 
17th percentile on LeBron. Jesus Christ. 20th percentile on Locker Dust at RAPM. That's an F grade. Those metrics hated him. Now, for some reason, Raptor really liked him at 62%, and they had his offense graded out really highly. But the other metrics, they were like, uh, yeah, uh, woof. Get that garbage out of here! EPM absolutely despised his defense in the ninth percentile there. So again, this is what I say when sometimes his defense is, uh, it's considered oh, this high-level stopper, way down. His finishing numbers drop way off. So that's the worry that if the mid-range shooting and three-point shooting fall off, which they were pretty high, especially the threes, then he's just going to be not an effective player. And I think that has to be some of the concern with, uh, with Marcus Morris as we move forward. DeMarcus Cousins. Now, for a guy that played 17 minutes a night, being ranked 168th in category leagues, is actually pretty impressive. He did most of that damage while he was uh, while he was with Houston. I you know, was in on drafting him with a later round pick. I just thought, given the lack of depth at their forward and center positions, he might be able to play 22 minutes a night. I did not foresee Jay Sean Tate being the starting power forward, considering he was just a random guy they signed in the offseason. I thought, okay, the, the power forward they have is PJ Tucker and that's it. Um, so I thought Cousins and Wood would share the court for five to 10 minutes, and then Cousins would get his 15 minutes or so backing up Wood, and then he'd have value. Unfortunately, he was really bad. He averaged 17 minutes a night, 22 points, and 168th for category leagues. Like, they're really good in those minutes, and he had, he's had some flashes in the playoffs, but he's 31. His legs are rooted. His efficiency's in the toilet, 43 and 73% from the field and from the line, 35 from three. He averaged nine and six with 0.8 steals, 0.6 blocks. Like the 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 shell of his game is there, but honestly, when he's out there, you you can't say, well, a team should just be playing Demarcus Cousins 28 minutes a night, and there's your success. His advanced numbers were okay, but this is a guy that used to be say EPM 4.7, 4.2, 3.7 the last three years, and that 4.7 was even when the with the Warriors, but this year at 0.7. Couldn't finish at the rim. Got by by hitting 47% mid-rangers. Never been at 40% or over ever before. Rebounded well. Steals good. Um, good passing. Good block numbers. But I just don't feel like you can trust him to play big minutes. There are flashes still there, but he's not going to be that draftable guy. Really good rebounder still. Still got the passing chops. Still has a threat as a shooter on the perimeter for sure. Um, and still has the name recognition, but movement's not there, defense isn't there, and I really don't think we're seeing any sort of DeMarcus Cousins renaissance. But again, some of these advanced stuff does like him. Raptor likes him. LeBron likes him a lot. 89th percentile, real plus minus, hated him. They thought his defense was atrocious, and that's a big disconnect. Raptor has his defensive Raptor in the 92nd percentile. LeBron has it in the 93rd percentile. RPM has it in the 9th percentile. Now, there is a massive disconnect there. Pretty much every other metric has him in a solid defensive number. EPM also has him solidly defensively. This is why, again, I just have this real issue with RPM. The numbers seem to be way off on everything else. Now, I didn't think that he was a particularly good defender, so I'm a little bit off on Raptor and LeBron ranking him this high. But also, I don't think he was that bad. And the disconnect is concerning. Offensively, efficiency was shithouse. But look at that. That's just what DeMarcus Cousins is. Player productivity per 75 possessions. Nearly every one of his numbers is at least 80th percentile or better on a per possession basis. The problem is we're just not probably going to get him playing 
enough to be that guy. I think he's just suited to be this third string center. Yeah, maybe back up there, best case scenario. Let's talk Patrick Beverly, who, again, is an older player. This whole team is filled with older players um, with significant injury concerns. Been outplayed here by Reggie Jackson in the playoffs. Beverly's been a guy that's had fantasy success in the past, but didn't this year. 194th in category leagues, 241st in points leagues, averaging 18 points, and he played 22 minutes in his 37 games. His best category as a point guard was his blocks. He averaged seven and a half points, three rebounds, two assists, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks, shot 42 and 80, which included 40% from three. But he is 33 years of age. Not particularly young. Um, You've got to have some concerns that that 22 minutes, he'll be in and out of lineups. At this point, Reggie Jackson, assuming he's back, has to be the leader to be the starting point guard for this team next year and Beverly playing in that backup role. So you, there's nothing you're going to want to do to have any info, you know, have any yeah, input on having... I can't think of the right words. I'm just struggling with words at the moment. You don't want him to be a fantasy draftable player is what I'm saying, Patrick Beverly. He just isn't going to be that player, I, I would guess. Still really good with his steals, great three-point shooting, um, really good defense, but so many other things uh, do create issues with his game. But look at this, matchup difficulty... 99th percentile. That look, he just guards the best defenders. He's a low usage player. He can be really good, but he also he's just too injury prone. He's too old, um, and there's just not enough in that fantasy game to get excited about. The advanced stuff was sort of lukewarm with him. Um, yeah, not too bad offensively. Has some struggles defensively. Some of the metrics didn't like him. Raptor only had him you know, sort of mid pack average defender, which is a little bit weird. But he hits threes at a nice rate. He blocks shots. He gets steals. Offensively, he's not a complete disaster, but he just is is a low usage player. So it's not a huge uh, not a huge role that he's going to be in. Now, in saying all of that, Reggie Jackson was worse than Patrick Beverly from a fantasy perspective this season. In the playoffs, it's been a very very different Reggie Jackson. He only played 23 minutes a night in the regular season. He averaged just under 20 fantasy points. He was 211th in category leagues, averaging 11 points, three rebounds, and three assists with 0.6 steals on 45 and 82. And part of the problem in Reggie Jackson's career as a fantasy player has been he gets no steals. He's not a high-volume assist guy. He's not a high-volume three-point shooter, and he's had efficiency problems. Now, he hit 43% of his threes during the regular season, which is obviously an impressive number. He still only had those low steals, low assists, low rebounds. And even if he does land himself a 30-minute-a-night role next year, with the low usage that he's going to have, I don't expect him to start generating high steals and high assists and high rebounds next year. So I'm not sure that he'll necessarily be draftable. And he's another guy who is 31 years old, another super old player in the scheme of the NBA. Um. Again, really impressed with what he's done in the playoffs. Nobody is doubting that. Like he has been super impressive during this playoff run. He is uh, he's playing at a much higher level. In fact, in the playoffs, he's averaging 18 points per game, 33 minutes. He's shooting 49% from the field. He's hitting 87 from the line. But again, three rebounds, three assists, 0.9 steals, 0.2 blocks. The scoring is nice. He's hitting three threes a game, which is great. It does probably put him into back-end draftable territory. But rebounds, assists, steals, blocks are all really low. Um, and does he play 33 minutes a night in the in the regular season? Probably not, you'd have to guess. Does he come through with a usage of 23%? Yeah, maybe. His box score plus minus wildly different 
in the playoffs versus the regular season. Th- you know, three. He's a plus three versus a neg- uh, plus a point one. Like there are big differences. But he has again been impressive. I don't know how much of that carries over. I don't think there's got any chance of pushing him into the top 100 at all. But he has you know, really, really stepped up his game, and, and it sort of just does more to spell the end of someone like a Patrick Beverly as a uh, as a big minute a night guy. The advanced stuff wasn't too harsh on him during the regular season, despite some struggles. Yeah, some okay things there, but some of these numbers for him are absolutely rough in terms of uh, the scoring numbers and scoring efficiency. Look at there's some Fs there as a, as a role man and post, but he doesn't play in those roles. But as a spot-up guy, you have grade of A. Isolation, grade of A. True shooting of 58%, grade of B. Assists are okay. Threes are okay. Look, there is some back-end value with very, very, in my opinion, low upside. Let's talk about Rajon Rondo. Um, how spicy do you want me to get on this one? Rondo was great for the Lakers last year in the playoffs. Undeniably, he played really well. He was also trash in the regular season. He was also trash every other regular season prior to that. He was also trash this year for Atlanta. He was trash this year for the Clippers. And guess what, guys? Playoff Rondo is not real. He was, he's been terrible in the playoffs. This Again, it's narrative. This narrative. Oh, don't worry, boys. You're getting Playoff Rondo. Well, if this is Playoff Rondo, you can keep him. He was undeniably fantastic for the Lakers last year. That doesn't mean that he's this unbelievable playoff guy that we've got to get. He has hung around the NBA for so long. He's played 30, he's 35 years of age. He played 17 minutes. He averaged five points with four assists. Now, we know that if he pushes into big minutes, he's going to give you fantasy value. But 200, he was drafted 138th on Atlanta behind Trey Young. People just go the double-handed Danish backhand on this guy all the time. What, why are you drafting him? He's a backup point guard. Are you out there drafting Jordan McLaughlin too? His defense, his offense has been horrendous in the playoffs. Like, just dreadful. And this is this does not take away anything that he did for the playoffs last year where he was undeniably really good. Like, undeniably. But he's just not very good. Now, amazingly, he hit 40% of his threes. Two attempts per game. That's not bad. And 94% from the line. Rondo, one of the worst free throw, free throw shooters in the league. Now, he took absolutely no threes, uh, no free throws. About I think he took about 20 for the year. But that's really impressive to see him improve like that. But yeah, he's please, please nobody draft him next year. He's still a strong passer uh, who has some selfish tendencies in his passing. I know people go, how can you be selfish if you're getting assists? Just watch Rondo and, and you'll know. Um and the shooting has generally been impressive over the last couple of years. He's improved there. He still doesn't take enough of them. And he still doesn't get respected out there. And that, that's part of the the, you know, the the value in being a shooter is having people respect you. So you know, his spacing value is not particularly good. And finishing at the rim, horrendous. LeBron hated him. Raptor hated him. RPM hated him. Every advanced metric pretty much down on him. Um, again, his spot-up numbers, impressive, uh, amazingly. He worked well there, but you know, not an isolation guy, obviously. True shooting at 54% is all right, but you know those assists and steals, that's where he brings value. And if he is get does get forced into a larger role, I highly doubt he does. But if he does, then he can produce some value in those uh, in those categories. Let's talk about the Duck, Luke Kennard, who <clears throat> I think that he was misused this year. 
or underused. They signed him to this big extension and then took him out of the rotation. I don't really, you know, I thought that he could come in and be a replacement for Lou Williams, and they got rid of Lou Williams and didn't use Luke Kennard. But I think Kennard in the playoffs has shown that he probably does have somewhat of a role, or he probably should have somewhat of a role on this team. Um, where that fits, I don't know. Like at times, I'd be like, you know, can you maybe play him next to Kawhi and Paul George and move Marcus Morris to a smaller role, perhaps? He's hit 43% of his threes in the playoffs. He's only playing 15 minutes a night and scoring six points, and there's a lack of absolutely everything else for Canard. <clears throat> so I'm not looking at him being a draftable guy. And that contract looks pretty rough, especially with the uh, ascension of Terrence Mann. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I was pretty high on Canard's, yeah, maybe long term futures. Give him a roll, let's see what it, what can do. But I, yeah, like I'm, I'm a little bit down on him. He, he did disappoint this season. I don't think that's uh, outrageous to say. Uh, for Luke Kennard, let's have a quick look at some of his advanced numbers there. Look, he's still a really good shooter. We know that. Um, he still has um, some value as a passer. Defensively, though, he is pretty rough, and he's just not really going to scale too high. It doesn't feel like at this point, but a really good three-point shooter who can provide some good spacing. LeBron absolutely despised him, negative 2.5. Yeah, Raptor wasn't particularly fond of him. He still had some good shooting numbers, but overall, his game, I don't think, was particularly great this year. Let's talk about Terrence Mann, a guy who, you know, like some of these Clippers players, has really, really stepped up. And I would imagine that Terrence Mann's role next season is significantly elevated from where it is at the moment or from where it was this regular season. He played 19 minutes a game in six, 67 games. He averaged 7-4 and four with 1.6 assists. He was 51-83, and 83, including 42% shooting from three, which is really impressive. Now, the numbers aren't great here, 301st in category leagues. Like, that's not good at all. But what is his role going to be? Sometimes he does get overrated, especially from a fantasy perspective, because he will come in and he will start when guys like Kawhi are out and when Paul George are out, and he'll put up some okay numbers. And in the playoffs, he's averaging eight points per game. I'm shooting 47% from three. It's still low volume, but that's the same sort of level of shooting numbers that he did put up in the regular season. Um, man is what twenty? He's almost twenty-five, so he's not the youngest, yeah, rookie or second-year player out there. But I do think that his role can take a pretty big step forward next season. I doubt that he's got a chance of cracking the top one hundred with George and Leonard there. But I do think he can maybe have a couple of top 150 seasons in the next couple of years. He's got to bring some defensive stats. He's finishing at a top level. And if his three-point shot becomes real and he starts taking them with more volume, then that does work in his favor to open everything up. He can pass. He can rebound. He can defend. Um, and a really, really strong rebounder too. And, and all that works in his favor. The advanced stuff likes him. I think there's room for that to push higher. Some of the shooting numbers are great. His rebound and assist numbers for fantasy are impressive there too. So there is some things that give you... I think he is very much ahead of a Luke Kennard. I think he might even get ahead of a Patrick Beverly next season. Let's just quickly mention Jay Scrub, who had a couple of moments of you know, some interesting games. Now, that was when they were trying to lose games, but he played a role in those in those games and you know, showed that he's got... I guess, some scoring ability. He's a very bouncy athlete who had a broken foot and missed majority of the year. He played just four games, but he did come on at the end uh, end of the year and have a 17-6 and six game with three steals and a 14-7 and seven game. Those last two games, they, they were trying to lose, for sure. But he did show at least something. So he's someone in a very, very deep 
dynasty type league that you can maybe look at. I wouldn't have massive faith in him. But there is there is a level of intrigue, I guess, with Jay Scrub about maybe you know where he where he goes um, where he goes in the uh, in the future. There is something there, I guess, with him. Um, you know, there's hard hard to read too much into it with his advanced stats because he just played so little. The other guy we're talking about, the other younger guy. I'm not going to talk about Yogi Ferrell or Patrick Patterson or even the the Farmers Union Amir Coffey, but let's talk Daniel Aturu, who was their rookie this year, 20, 22 years of age, thirty games. Five and a half minutes a game. Again, one of those players who came in and played some minutes when they wanted to lose. He averaged two points, two rebounds, 0.2 blocks. I don't really think there is a huge future for Daniel Aturo in the NBA. Um, But he can be a good rebounder. He can defend okay. Um, The shooting, there might be something there, but I wouldn't be having too much faith in what Aturu can bring. Again, very limited minutes to get some uh, a picture of on uh, on what his game, and what his game could potentially get to. All right, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Don't forget on YouTube, thumbs up, share, ring the bell, subscribe, leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.